0: Welcome to Adventurous and Unconventional. I'm your host, Kate Simons, and I am so excited to be on this journey with you, exploring alternative lifestyles, unconventional existences, and adventurous, life-changing decisions. My hope is that this episode inspires you to begin creating the life of your dreams. Welcome Wildflowers. Today my guest is Sarah Orchard. Sarah is a self-employed marketing consultant who owns and runs an award-winning high-end treehouse called Hudnall's Hideout with her husband. They left their corporate careers behind, moved to the countryside and have been living their version of the good life for a few years now. Welcome Sarah, I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: I'm really excited about being here, thank you for having me on the podcast.
0: Oh you're welcome we've been in each other's worlds for quite a few years now in the glamping industry so it's great to connect in this way. Yeah oh it would be fun to just dig right in I would love to know what your life was like when you were living in that corporate matrix as I call it like working nine to five with someone else um yeah what was that experience like for you and your husband both in those careers?
1: yes it's a good question and and it seems like many many years ago now i mean i left the corporate world in 2006 but i did 16 years in in the sort of corporate thing and I, i did the typical thing i think of you know leaving university um i had fallen in love with sort of marketing as a profession and was really lucky i worked in the travel industry and i had some amazing jobs I worked for um Hog Robinson and Keone, and then I went to work for um worked for a marketing agency for a couple of years and then got made redundant and then went to work for Avis where I spent nine years and did like five different roles. So I had a really successful and career and I progressed and, and got quite senior. I was literally just below sort of marketing director in the European head office at Avis. But what I soon realized as I sort of progressed through it was that I haven't got children and you know, marketing is quite a career where it's sort of like it's up or out. It's like you have to keep progressing. And the more senior I got, the more I realized that I, A, I was working like ridiculous hours. um All my jobs I've had to sort of commute to work, which I found quite stressful. um The three and a half years that I did commute around the M25 was probably the worst um, oh, goodness. Work, <laughs> when we lived in Guildford. And I just used to spend you know, long days, 60 hour weeks, a lot of international and sort of you know, European travel, which always sounds very glamorous. And everyone thinks it's a really glamorous life. But, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to catch 6.30 flights from like Heathrow and then getting home at like 9.30 at night and then having to get up again at, you know, 6.30 the following morning and be back in the office. Soon, the the allure of it all soon, soon sort of rubs off. <laughs> yes. Um and it was having, if I'm honest, it was having a toll on my health. I'm not very good with the whole politics thing. I am I find that quite stressful. So obviously I was in a very big, you know, PLC company that, you know, naturally all those sorts of companies are quite political. Um, and the more senior you get, the more political maneuvering sort of goes on. So I found all that really, really stressful. So I, I started to have some health issues that, came about because of the stress and I think the lifestyle and if I'm honest it was also affecting my relationship with aid because I was always just so exhausted that I had no time for you know we didn't really do that much because I was like we were working permanently both of us were in corporate jobs so it wasn't wasn't great nothing left
0: is there there's nothing left at the end of a working day like when you've commuted and you've done all your hours in the office you just you just want to collapse like, in front of the tv or something
1: exactly you're sort of spent and I used to the number of times I used to get to sort of like a Friday and I'd probably have a couple of glasses of wine and I'd fall asleep on the sofa by like nine 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 thirty because I was just so tired that I just didn't have any capacity for for you know for anything else and it made me sort of question you know why I was doing it and because I was getting more senior but it doesn't actually get any easier it actually gets I think harder the more senior you get so yeah I'd I'd sort of fall net of love a little bit with it by by that point.
0: You obviously have a natural tendency for marketing Was that something that you're always drawn to and did you feel like there was a um any pressure to go into kind of a, a a typical career were you, were you leading yourself down that route or did you feel like there was other external pressure?
1: Um, I actually wanted to be an accountant well I did my I've always been very good at sort of like I did maths, economics sort of like geography as a level so you know quite academic. I'd always done really well at sort of school. So I think it was always assumed that I'd go to university and then I also thought I was going to be an accountant because I was like well, I'm really good at maths and stuff. I'm really sort of interested in numbers. And then when I went to do my business studies degree, I did accountancy for the first two years and I hated it. (laughs) And I was like, actually, I can't see myself as an accountant now, but it was just like, oh my God, this is like so boring. And it's like, to be a good marketer, you do have to have a good grasp of like, you know, commercial aspects of business. So actually it's probably stood me in good stead, but I really did hate it. And it was only when I did in my second year, I did marketing as part of my business studies degree. And then I went and did a marketing placement for a year. I worked for a publisher in Oxford and I was like a promotions assistant, which which basically meant I did a lot of photocopying and putting like packs together for events and stuff like that. It wasn't very glamorous, but I really enjoyed marketing. And I, I think what I love about it is it's that mix of so I'm quite I'm actually sort of secretly quite creative. I do a bit of jewellery making. So I'm, I sort of there's some creative bits in my in my background that I probably don't get to use a lot in my sort of career, although marketing can be quite creative as well. So obviously like branding and creating promotional materials and sort of, you know, visually creative things. So there was that aspect that you have to be quite good at doing analysis and understanding what the numbers are telling you. And I also love the people aspect in terms of like the social science and like people's Mm -hmm. behavior. So for me, marketing was the thing that sort of then just sort of ticked all the boxes. And I thought, I really I really enjoyed this. And I definitely couldn't see myself as an accountant. (laughs)
0: it's interesting how yeah we think based on kind of some subjects at school we go down a certain route and then we're like oh actually this is not what I thought it was going to be yeah exactly Um, yeah well you said something really interesting you said it was based on your kind of A-level studies and how well you were doing at school it was always assumed that you would go to university and that's that can be like a really um subconscious kind of expectation can't it like because you're doing really well like of course like people start talking about you as though um as though you're going to be taking a certain route that that they can kind of foresee for you and and because because they think that's in your best interest and that that will help you get a career that will lead you to thriving um but yeah often those things we even if we don't hear them we kind of pick up on those like assumptions that will take a certain path without it necessarily coming from us
1: yeah exactly. yeah, I have. And also no one really in my family had been self-employed. Like in the history of my sort of my my parents of both from sort of working class background, I think my brother and I were like the first like you know of our sort of family to go to that university. So um my father was an airline is an airline pilot or was he's retired. So you know there was always that assumption that you'd go into employment, and he never it was never like discussed options in terms of being like self-employed or like running your own business. I did, um, fun enough, when I was doing my economics um, A-level, I did young enterprise scheme where you actually create a company and you sort of like, you know, that, and I really enjoyed that. So maybe there was always that little entrepreneurial little thing under the surface, but it was just never, it was never on my radar. And it wasn't something, you know, like some families are really like entrepreneurial and the kids are encouraged to sort of, you know, go and set up shops and do stuff. And and maybe their parents, one of their parents have been self-employed. So it becomes then like, you know, it's acceptable. Um, to go and do that but I think because my my father had always come from sort of quite a a hard-working sort of you know working class sort of background and then obviously being a pilot he was obviously working for somebody else it was never it was never discussed that you could be like self-employed or run your own business so it just wasn't even on my radar.
0: Yeah it's so interesting that like who you're surrounded by and what options in life you're surrounded by how they influence what you think is available to you you just if you don't exactly. if you don't experience people that are running their own business you don't yeah it's not even something that you're aware of yeah exactly um and so you now run your own consultancy and you then several years after that you your husband left his corporate job and you set up a beautiful tree house can you leave me through that process of when you left your corporate career and where you kind of are now running Hudnall's Hideout and your own consultancy
1: yeah of course um <clears throat> quite a long story <laughs> I'll try and be quick I'll try and be quick so um well, like go back so I obviously in corporate career Edwin wasn't very happy in his job and I remember us being on holiday I think we were actually we were in Catalonia. we were lying on the beach it was like July of it must have been like 2003 and he was like I really hate my job um I'm not sure what I want to do and he was suffering with some stress and anxiety issues around work and he said i you know he'd had some time off and it was like actually I think I need to leave what I'm doing and we'd never actually sort of left uni and then gone straight into like work and I wanted to go traveling but my father was like he was quite a disciplinarian and he was like Oh no, I think you need to get a job because if you go traveling, I think he thought I would just like go off the rails and, and like <laughs> never never end up going into a into sort of permanent work and a career. So That's interesting
0: got... as he was a, an airline pilot, like yeah, travelling
1: of... the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <He> takes...
0: <laughs> is the way that people are able to travel and yet. <laughs> yeah exactly he's like I know that you'll
1: probably just go off and you'll be like bumming around the world for for years it's like I think you need to get a proper job it's probably also because I think parents and support you through like college and stuff and then they think like now it's time you go out and like you know you're 22 it's like you need to go out and um, earn a living so I remember sitting there and saying to aid well why don't you know we didn't have kids it was like we didn't have a dog at the time so it was like and or horses so it was like why don't we go traveling and he was like no we can't do that and I'm like why not you know it was like why not now it's like you want to leave your job anyway so then i've only got to leave my job and i'll get a job when i come back so we sort of hatched a plan that was literally that summer and by the january the 8th 2004 we were on a plane flying off to go around the world for six and a half months so i resigned from my job they told me i could have a sabbatical which was like really flattering they didn't you know i mean they didn't have to do that but they wanted me to come back so i got a sabbatical for nine months from my job um so at least that gave us some security we rented our house out and literally it was like manic between the point of sort of like deciding we were going to go traveling and then you know that six months of sort of getting the house rented out and obviously me resigning, and then planning our trip Mm -hmm. and then heading off so we did six and a half months traveling around the world um which was amazing it was like the best time ever I think you know we we reconnected in terms of having just like that whole pressure of life removed we were obviously older backpackers because we were both in our mid-30s so we were not by no means we weren't sort of um youngsters going off going off traveling and actually funnily enough we were just reminiscing about when we get to January of 2024 it's 20 years since we went traveling so I can't believe it's 20 years but quite scary so yes yeah, so we went off to you know we did the traveling we were older backpackers but we still you know we loved it and we sort of hatched a plan that we were we fell in love with new zealand we spent three months in new zealand and we were going to move there but at the time that we went traveling adrian's mom was very ill with cancer so um she did give us our blessing to go traveling she said i'll still be here when you come back and she was um but it did influence our decision not to to emigrate to New Zealand um because we knew that we probably wouldn't see sort of family and friends. So we decided to sort of stay in the UK. I went back into my job in the August and sort of regretted it the moment I sort of went back mm. in and was thinking, why why have I done this? Nothing had really and what it made me realize was that in the nine months I'd been out of the business, nothing had really moved forward.
0: Mm.
1: It's amazing. so much
0: had changed for you guys, right? Yeah. You've exactly. been adventuring.
1: <laughs> exactly. And and just seeing the possibilities of like doing other things and because we stayed in some really quirky backpackers obviously glamping didn't really exist then so it was like we just stayed in these really quirky places and we really loved it and thought it'd be really cool to set up something like this and obviously we did think we were going to do that in New Zealand but then you know having gone back and and gone back into work I just realized that nothing had moved forward and how slow businesses are and how frustrating that was for me because I'm a bit of a doer so it was like The one thing that frustrated me about corporate life was the speed that things used to take and the fact that, you know, everything was decided by committee and, you know, numerous meetings and nothing really moves forward at any sort of pace. I'm quite a sort of like get on with it sort of person. I like to sort of get things done. So um, and I'm quite tenacious and I just will sort of go after things and sort of make them happen. So I just thought I I went back into my job and I was just like, nothing has moved forward in the nine months I've been away. It's almost like, you know, I've literally walked out the door and come straight back in again. Yeah. So I I had itchy feet and um, then Avis I stayed there for 18 months and there was a load of um, redundancies and restructuring going on. And I was meant to stay, but they were changing my role and getting rid of half my team. And I just decided I'd had enough. So I, I took voluntary redundancy and didn't really know what I was going to do. I actually just sort of walked out of the job with quite a large payoff, but I just had no idea what I was going to do. And I actually was so disillusioned with marketing that I didn't think I was going to do any marketing again. I thought I might set up a like a retail business. I was doing my bit of jewellery design and I thought maybe I'll you know, have a, like a retail business and do something different. So I gave myself sort of six months space to sort of just reassess what I wanted to do. And I had some um, coaching and work with a, a actually sort of like a, they gave it as part of the redundancy that you could sort of look at, you know, what you're good at and what you might want to do in the future. And actually consulting sort of came out quite strongly because I enjoy the strategic side of of marketing, but I also enjoy the people side of sort of mentoring and coaching. Um, So I set up my consultancy in January 2007. Uh, which is Orchard Marketing Associates. And I've been running that successfully for the last however many years that is. now. it's about 17, 18 years. Um, but I also have subsequently set up Get Fully Booked, which is um, aimed at holiday and hospitality businesses, because in the meantime, we set, as you said, we set up a glamping business. I'm not sure you can call it glamping because it's obviously a luxury treehouse, um, but sort of unusual accommodation. Um mm-hmm based really on on our experience of sort of backpacking and staying in these amazing places and wanting to create somewhere in the UK that was sort of different. And we started looking, I think sort of a couple of years after we got back, it was sort of around about sort of 2008, we sort of started looking for somewhere to move to away from Surrey where we were living, but we didn't really find anywhere. And we looked in loads of different counties and locations. And then we came on holiday to the White Valley in 2014 and really, really loved it. And suddenly thought maybe we found, you know, the place that we can start looking. And we started looking at houses. So it took us like two and a half years to find the house, which we bought mm-hmm. in 2017. And then we started building the Huddles Hideout, which uh, has been quite a journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll touch on that in a little while. But I just wanted to go back. I think that's really proactive of your previous employer to give you um, support in finding a new direction or a new route. I think, I don't know how common that is, but yeah, what did you discover in that process? And how how was your experience as well of backpacking when you were a little bit older? I backpacked when I was 18, when I was 22. um, And then again, when I was... Yeah, we went back to India when we were 18, we were in India and we went back 10 years later and the experience for us 10 years later was was very different. Um, so yeah, I'm curious because when I was 18, 22, I was just kind of there ticking off places, like fast travel. I wasn't really immersing myself in the experience. I wasn't really doing any deep processing and work on myself. I was kind of just enjoying, like I'd been to uni, I was just enjoying being going around the world and seeing amazing places. But for you, you were at this potential life change. Like your husband was really fed up with his career. You were questioning your career. Like what was that experience of being completely away from it all in a completely different country traveling t- together the two of you when you'd been like working so busy corporate and commuting and having such a little opportunity to connect and how yeah how was that experience because it is quite rare for people to take time out in their 30s to go and do that mm. it's a brave move
1: <laughs> I think it helps if you haven't got children because obviously if you have kids like a lot of our friends have got kids it's like you've got that commitment you would be able, you wouldn't be able to do it um it was it gave us the time and space to sort of just rethink things I think the problem is that when you start on a sort of corporate career it can almost be like progression came quite easily and I kept getting promotions I mean like I said I was at Avis for nine years I got five different jobs I kept moving on up the ladder so it becomes like a it's almost like like you were saying at the beginning we were saying at the beginning about being expected to do it and it's and it's also part of the corporate sort of culture that I said that it's like up or out so women often leave because they leave to have children and then when they come back, they find that the corporate environment is not very supportive. Avis was actually an amazing employer in that, which is why I stayed nine years. I was going for two. is um, <laughs> because they were very good on their people development. So I had lots of investment in my personal development. I was um, They paid for me to do my Chartered Institute of Marketing postgrad grad diploma. Um, they had a management development program, which was brilliant. Um, they invested a lot in training and their people they were also very supportive to women coming back into the business and like job sharing and working you know like part-time which if you go back that number of years was not yeah. that common in like big plcs you know they're owned by a massive company Sendant, and um you know which is a massive global organization so you know it's not that it wasn't that common then, but they were very forward thinking and knowing that they were a people business and they did invest heavily in, in this in their staff. So for for me, I had been very lucky with that, but I think having the time away, it was fun, it was fun being older backpackers. And actually, funny enough, you all had like a common thread i mean we actually met some people that were older than us they were in their like their 50s and they were staying and also backpacking sort of changed in that a lot of the places we stayed that you could have like private rooms um it's not the sort of bunk bunk rooms that you probably think and particularly in australia and new zealand because i think they probably do get a lot of older travelers and we even saw a couple from scandinavia i think they were from denmark or sweden because their paternity rules are very different they had taken their children traveling for, for like i think it was six months it was at least three months because they literally get better paternity like leave when their children are born, so they had a newborn and like a toddler, and they they were that we met them in New Zealand and they they were literally travelling with their family um, mm. for a, sort of a sabbatical from from their from their life. So it actually was it we didn't feel um, you know we're mixing with all different age groups and and we we were definitely doing it slower like we spent you know, three weeks in Australia, but we spent three months in New Zealand. New Zealand was the whole purpose of the trip, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that we could very much, we drove 9,000 kilometres in three months. We bought a car um, yeah. and we literally drove from the top of New Zealand to the bottom of New Zealand and then all the way back again and all over the place. So it meant we could spend a few days in places and just relax, which I suppose was was nice to have that time to to rethink things and, and work out what's important. you in life because like I said it can feel like you're a bit of like a little hamster on a wheel you know trundling away and, and not really knowing why why you're progressing and if it's making you happy
0: yeah definitely there is just that kind of assumption when you're in corporate to just keep climbing the ladder like an opportunity comes up and there's an expectation that you'll take it because everybody wants to just move up and that's what our definition of success has been with when you're so immersed in that world that is that is what you're aspiring to to have that career and the promotion and yeah yeah
1: exactly my father didn't look very kindly on me when I I said we were going off you know he was he was quite you know a when we went traveling and then b when I resigned and took voluntary redundancy I mean his immediate reaction was why have you done that you know, mm. and it's like because I'm not happy, you know, and I need to do something else. But I think it's because it was that. I think also parents worry about you. You know, you're we had a huge mortgage. It's like you know that financial security. Um, they worry about you. So it comes from a place of it's sort of concern that they they Definitely. want you to be happy. They want you to be happy, but they also don't want you to be struggling or financially get yourself into a, you know trouble. So you know, he he wasn't particularly supportive <laughs> of my mm. decision. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, often well because you were saying that you he was not from an entrepreneurial um environment at all, and so yeah, it's always with the best of interest, and it's also with a lack of understanding that there are other options available, and when you when you're so immersed in that that yeah, quitting a career where that you've invested like nine years just in one employment and then multiple years before that, you. It does feel to a lot of people that you're throwing something away, especially because I imagine at the beginning of that six months when you did hand your notice in, you then were exploring what was available to you and what you could do. You didn't know if you were necessarily going to go back into the marketing and use those skills in that way that you'd already developed.
1: Exactly.
0: It can bring up a lot for people who don't understand yeah
1: Yeah. a lot of triggers in terms of you know things that they think are sort of and also it's probably his generation it it wasn't the norm for people to do that um obviously you know for anyone who's younger who's sort of coming up now and particularly for probably like your children's generation it's like you know it'll be far more acceptable to like work from home work remotely digital nomads you know being entrepreneurial doing different things there's lots of different ways to earn a living whereas coming from a sort of working class background it's probably like it was like you go and work for somebody that's that's what you do um in terms of you know a job
0: yeah absolutely it wasn't that long ago it was a job for life you'd start when yeah. you left school and you stayed there until you retired and yeah thinking about exactly. it yeah. wasn't on the cards
1: Exactly. And I I don't think, you know, particularly I think our generation have suffered very heavily with that sort of shift in like lots of rounds of like my husband's been made redundant twice. I obviously took voluntary redundancy. Most of my friends that I know have been made redundant. They're probably the people in the minority who haven't had some sort of disruption to their, maybe their plans in terms of their career because of things like redundancy, because that's the nature of the cyclical sort of nature of particularly like larger businesses where they just, Keep, and Avis has done it just like time and time again. It's like, you know, they grow and then they get more staff and then they hit an issue. And obviously the travel industry, particularly with all the sort of global events that have happened in the industry, they were very affected by that. So then they would just get rid of people because people's the biggest cost. So they just get rid of people and then they start again. So, you know, most people have been affected by redundancy, which, and I think a lot of people with COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. and people being let go from, from jobs, people have reassessed their careers and thought you know I can do other things I've met so many people that are now doing different things in the last sort of you know three three to five years and I think COVID's been like a massive massive trigger for that in terms of people's attitude to work and you know what they end yeah. up doing
0: yeah it's really inspiring to see so many different things that people are, are just following their dreams they're doing things that they really wanted to do or they're reassessing everything and figuring out their priorities like you guys did Um, and you touched on something like I think it's there's this belief that full-time employment is a secure option and when you're talking about all these people having redundancy like you just never know you're actually actually your life is in someone else's hands not your life but you know your your income your job your your sense of security being your ability to pay the mortgage whereas when you embark on entrepreneurship you have all these options available to you and you can make those changes you can pivot you can adjust you can bring in more money and it's down to you rather than you having to like go through this big system to try and get a promotion or to try and find a new job and rely on other people
1: exactly and I always remember the best thing I think I've ever heard someone say is that the best thing about being your own boss or like being self-employed is that you are the boss but it's also the worst thing because there's no one else to blame so if your business is not successful there's there's no scapegoat there's no like oh someone in a different department or your boss or you like your manager or your you know the board directors or you know have done something that has stopped something from being successful it's like if your business fails it's because of you
0: yeah you know ultimately no excuses. yeah i mean yes. obviously
1: covid covid you know obviously you know um has had an effect on you know my business had to pivot seriously during covid um in terms of my consultancy but, um, you know, there have been businesses, I'm not, I'm not playing that down, that have failed because of, you know, it's factors outside of our control. But, you know, in normal sort of operating sort of conditions, you know, yeah. it is the thing about being your own boss. is like there, there's nowhere to hide.
0: No, know? And you can take those skills and you can take that experience and move on to something else. Yeah, exactly. Once, once you you kind of embark on that entrepreneurship path, you, you feel more empowered to yeah take that control of yourself back and, and who knows where it leads to exactly. I would love to explore what your life looks like now running Hudnell's Hideout running your marketing consultancy having left Guildford and living in a beautiful rural location and also how it is working with your husband and running Hudnall's Hideout together
1: yes oh Two uh, lots more big questions. Yeah, so, we yeah, let like, it down. <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, come, we'll break it down. So, how does my life look now? um I live in the most beautiful place. Yesterday, I was looking out of my office uh, window, and there were two fallow deer on our front lawn <laughs> eating the grass. Nice <laughs> um Every day, I feel blessed to sort of look at the view that we have from. So, if anyone goes and checks out the Huddle side, that you'll see pictures of the valley and, and where we live in in Gloucestershire and the Wye Valley, and it is truly stunning it really Um, is yeah it it is it is you know i feel very grateful i'm sort of partly glimpsing down the valley out the window so it's you know we feel very privileged to live here i wouldn't say it's necessarily the good life (laughs) excuse me um we're still working really hard i'm not quite sure we've got the the balance particularly because i'm running obviously my get fully put is the sort of evolution of my marketing consultancy and we're running the hideout as well which is which has been hugely successful so you know we're running at like 96% occupancy which is basically fully booked all year end so yeah. it's con- constant changeovers so I think we both feel like we don't have quite the freedom that we've strived for yet um there's
0: is too successful
1: I know that's a, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, what a blessing! I've done too much good job with the marketing, haven't I? Bless me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think we both are sort of evaluating, you know, how we move things forward in the next few years. You know, we're we're at a very different point in our lives. You know, we're early fifties. We're actually planning our retirement um which is really scary and something I never thought I'd have to think about I'm very like not good about thinking about that sort of longer term stuff I'm a bit sort of trying to live in the moment and enjoy life Mm. so obviously we we we're planning our sort of exit strategy and where we go from here so I think we've got a sort of we've got that sort of bounded because there's things we want to do there's more travel that we want to do there's places in the world that we didn't see when we did our trip um like particularly like spending more time in like Vietnam and Asia, et cetera. So and so we didn't go to mm. South America. So there's lots of places on the list that we still want to go and see. And we want to make sure we've got time to do that uh, before time runs out. Um, Definitely. So, so so it's important not to spend your whole life working. Um, so, you know, my, my business now in terms of I, because as a result of COVID, I've moved it to a completely sort of online offering. I've sort of moved away a little bit from the traditional consultancy excuse me um so I'm now running Get Booked which is an online marketing resource for holiday and hospitality business owners and hosts um so that's a very different offering to my sort of doing more one-to-one sort of virtual almost like marketing manager consultancy type role that I was doing before so mm-hmm. now I run a membership and I run sort of seven-week group training programs or boot camp that I do every January so it's the idea is that it obviously frees me up to do um more have more flexibility in my in my day because obviously when you work as a consultant what you do is you swap one boss for potentially 10 bosses so obviously mm. I was I was working for sort of like eight to ten retained clients like every month and obviously every client naturally thinks that they are the most important um and that you're the only person to, you know they're the only person that you work for <laughs> yeah. but in fact you, you know to make it pay you have you know eight to ten I had on average so that meant that you end up with ten bosses and I suddenly thought I'm not sure I like this anymore (laughs) it's like I feel like I've you know it's like out of the frying pan into the fire it's like although I've always it always been really successful I've never really had that feast and famine that people talk about with consultancy that I suppose if they're taking like contracts they tend to be really really busy and then they have no work so they have natural periods of time off Mm. whereas mine was sort of for the 15 or so years until we sort of hit COVID, it was sort of fairly, or 17 years, it was like fairly consistent in that some months I had leaner months, but I always had work. Um, So it, it was pretty sort of relentless and I was enjoying it, but then COVID hit and I lost every single client bar one, like instantly, literally, like on 23rd of March, 2020, I literally had every wow. single client email me and go, we don't need you anymore. So I had one wow. client left and I was like, holy whatnot! it's like yes I, we can't pay the mortgage we've just lost our hideout income and we'd only been out for five weeks so we'd spent mm-hmm. all our money we were living on our overdraft we were just getting bookings in and it was all going really well and suddenly it was like oh my god Our like our world stopped it was just like we have no income from the treehouse I've now lost all my income we have a huge mortgage it was just like what are we going to do and of course the government took a while to Announced the support that they were going to give to to you know to self-employed people and, and also to us as hospitality businesses so we had a dark couple of weeks where we didn't know quite what was going to you know going to happen um you know roll forward you know two and a bit years three years it's you know everything is 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 rosy in that the you know the high debt has been hugely successful but, um, yeah, you also asked me about working with my husband. So I mustn't wasn't gloss over that one. Um, it's hard, I think, working, especially because we live here as well. So I think when you when you live and work from the same spot, you know, it's your home. <laughs> excuse me, it's your business.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you have to have boundaries. I actually remember doing a sort of a talk on this at the Glamping Show about having a lifestyle business. And I think people mm-hmm. have, you know, rose-tinted glasses a little bit about running a lifestyle business whatever that looks like and particularly running like a glamping business but working with your your spouse your partner you know it can be really really hard because you end up talking about the business like 24 7 um, and you're surrounded by the business the whole time so it becomes all invading so we we quite quickly learned that we needed to put some sort of boundaries in place we're really passionate about the business. So it's like really natural that you start just talking about it all the time, um, yeah. like over dinner and at weekends, and uh-huh. you know, and, and you never get any, I'm sure you can identify with it. You, you know, many <laughs> list, listeners might be able to identify with that. It doesn't matter what type of business you do, but if you run it with your partner, and particularly if you, you know, I think if you physically go to a different office and you have that physical separation, that helps like coming back to your home at the end of the day. Um, but we have our offices at home as well. So you know there is no there is no separation so we started doing um an operations meeting once a week which made us feel yeah well it was actually a coach that suggested it to me and said you know do you run your business like a proper business you know do you have meetings and we're like no we sort of sit and chat over a cup of coffee or we sit and chat over (laughs) dinner and a glass of wine and she was like no, no no You, you need to have boundaries you need to have like proper meeting like if you were running a big corporate what did you do you had meetings and you minuted them and you both had actions and you went off and you contained your conversation about the particular subjects just to that meeting so we started doing a weekly ops meeting and I have to say that was like revolutionary Mm. um we fall off the wagon occasionally like we either miss a meeting or you know we we slip into having a chat but then we're both a bit good now at sort of going nope Save yep. that for save that for Tuesday, and we'll talk about <laughs> it in the meeting. Um, because it does help to just try and contain it. I mean, sometimes things come up and you have to talk about them there and then. You know, like of if course, there's a guest yeah. issue or there's a problem with the business, you you know, or one of you's sick and you've got to sort of work out or suppliers let you down. You know, you've got to talk about it, but now you can't park it for a week or four to five days. Um, but we try and have a structured review. We have an agenda. Mm-hmm. We write out. We write out. We don't do minutes because that seems a bit like overkill with two of us. But we yeah. do. We do cover like you know the the business, you know, situation of the business at the moment. We look at sort of the accounting side. We look at cash flow forecasts. We look at how bookings are looking. We talk about sort of you know the operational stuff like maintenance and. We talk about marketing. We have a like, "My dear, marketing update." And then we look nice. at business development. So you know, an AOB. You know, we do try and run it like a proper meeting and try and keep it to the sort of hour, hour and a half that we have in the diary. Um, and we write down our actions, and then we follow up. You know, the following week, what we've what we've been doing because you know I'm a bit of a control freak so I'm not very good at letting go of things so it's good Mm. to be able to sort of delegate things to aid and sort of say no that's we do have clear roles in the business as well which I think helps in terms of who does what and that was probably a bit muddy at the beginning because it was a bit like we were both sort of delving into sort of each other's areas and stuff and that gets a bit fractious so um you know it's probably a few stern words about things over the over the years (laughs) but the the that structure does It does really help us. So um, that's my sort of top tip. You know, have a proper, you know, board meeting um, with your co director.
0: Yeah, that's such a good idea. It really, yeah, we've been running round the woods for 10 years now together. And it did take, yeah, it took a little while. Like, especially when we were first setting up the infrastructure, we were both so involved in everything. We're out there building things, we're out there like, Figuring all the little bits out and then you kind of get into a more of a rhythm when things are happening and it's that was the point when we realized we needed to separate specific roles and stop talking about it like because we've got little kids as well it was often the time that we would fight to talk about it was when we finally went to bed at the end of the night Or like, like oh I forgot to mention this <laughs> it's like yeah. the last thing that anyone wants to talk about we actually I love your meeting idea I think yeah those boundaries and having a specific like point on the calendar where you can discuss all of those things is really Mm. useful. One thing that we did was set up a little WhatsApp group, just the two of us, and it's just called our business name. And so then in the moment, if we think about just like those little things, we can just pop them in there, not things that we would come together and like sit down and have a meeting about. We can just do that. And then the other person just only looks at it when they're in the right headspace and they've got like 10 minutes to see if there's any messages that day or something in there. Because otherwise I was just finding when we were just messaging each other. Normally, if he was down the meadow and I was thinking of something to do with marketing, I would just message it and then it would come through to his personal, and he would think it was something to do with like the kids or something really important, like urgent at the moment. And it was, yeah, it was just a bit, a bit mad. So that boundary for us was really useful.
1: I love Um, that idea. I think I'm going to do that. We also have a chalkboard in the kitchen, mm. which, um, We write things up on as a sort of prompt and it's a sort of because it sits in the kitchen it's a sort of it tends to have treehouse stuff on it and maybe some domestic stuff as well but it's a bit of a visual prompt of things that need need to be done um that are sort of like ongoing bigger stuff I think there's things like order wood chip is on there at the moment it's like nothing particularly sexy but you know it's things that you think mustn't forget to do that you know it's on there but I love the idea of the whatsapp group that's separate Yeah.
0: yeah it's been quite helpful yeah, just that boundary between all the personal sides of your relationship, which can all be discussed in all the other times, but then putting the business to one side and just having a dedicated space for that.
1: Yeah, you're right about things in the moment as well, because Adrian's very much like he, he wants to say, you know, he has to say it immediately. Whereas I'll like write it down on a notepad and think I'll come back to that. And I'm I'm probably used to it in my career and my personality means I juggle quite a lot of things. Whereas he mm-hmm. finds that. And that's the other thing. It's like recognizing, I think we've had a bit of a, we've come to blows over it a little bit in terms of our just our different personalities, which we probably didn't come out so much when we were just a couple with separate like yes. corporate lives. But working together can really like, you know, they you know, they always say this about like having children as well, isn't it? It's like if your relationship's not strong doing those sorts of things can you know they're big life things that can sort of drive us, something between you as in terms of your relationships so I think our relationship yeah. is stronger but we've also realized things about each other because I've never you know had to work with him so his personality and how he likes to do things have never impacted on what we were doing <laughs> like together and then yeah. when you start working together it's like there's things that your partner does that will really annoy you Um, You know, it's like, why can't you just do that? And they'd be like, well, because that's not how I do it. And it will really wind you up. So I think, you know, being mindful of each other's personality and and just your working style. So like Adrian definitely, if he thinks of something, he needs to tell me. So that WhatsApp group is a brilliant idea because that would give him (laughs) the vehicle to do that whereas yeah, I'll hold, he doesn't I'll... have to
0: remember it he's got it out of exactly. there it's, it's exactly yeah
1: exactly so that, I think that's a really good tip and I think it, it's you have to find the things in your business that play to how you you know your different personalities and your working styles that allows you to work effectively together so I think yeah, that's a really good tip
0: mm, absolutely I think it's so interesting like we we fall in love with someone for certain a certain connection, something about their personality, about who they are that we really fall in love with. And then when you then add in running a business, they, those things that you love about them might not work so well when you're running a business with them. But there might be other aspects that you didn't really have to consider when you were just in a relationship and living in a home together that then yeah come into play and you're like oh I don't know if I like that side of you or that kind of like clash we clash there and I didn't even know that when we were just living our life and everything was like you know enjoying meals together and going out and living life and yeah when it comes down to money and running a business and who's responsible for what you can it can bring up some interesting parts of your relationship that you you weren't aware of
1: uh, definitely, I th- and I think what it's made us realise is that we still have very much that sort of those those things that brought us together are still very much there. Mm. But you have to navigate, like you say, the 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 things that you discover about a person when you're actually in a totally different because it isn't natural to to end up spending your whole lives together. And I think no. that's where it also then becomes really important to have interests, friends, hobbies—you know, things that you do independently. Because otherwise you do end up spending all of your time together. And I think because of particularly where we live, which is quite isolated, you don't see people. I remember going away on a, on a a girly trip to Marrakesh with a girlfriend and I left Adrian here for a week on his own. And he literally said, don't do that again. It's like, you know, (laughs) I didn't see a single person for a week. Yeah. You know, he had no, he had no reason to like leave the house. Um, (laughs) And You know, because we're quite well stocked and we've got a freezer and you know, you get food in and stuff, and it's like you have no reason to leave the house. We you know, we're not within walking distance, it's like a mile and a half to the village. It was winter, it was November. So people Mm -hmm. aren't out and about walking and doing as much when the weather's bad. So he literally was like hunkered down here for a week on his own. And he said, I didn't see a single person. I didn't talk to a single person for like the whole time you were away. And I was like, Yeah, you've also got to be mindful of like where you live. So you know, you do need to to build things into your life. I always like to try and think of my life in thirds. So it's like a third is my work. A third is my relationship with Adrian. And then a third is like my hobbies and my interests. And I try and keep it sort of even amongst mm. those things so that it's not, I think when it gets skewed towards, and it probably did when I was in the corporate world, that like work became like sort of 60, 70% of my life, that that's when you feel really, know dissatisfied with it and i think i've always been quite good at trying to create that that balance and and for me it was realizing like you said that time reflection that it was all completely out of kilter Mm -hmm. and that's why i wasn't happy and the things realizing the things that make you happy um and trying to pull more of those back into your life so that you you know you feel like you've got those you know those
0: balance that balance back Yeah, that sounds really helpful. I love that you've brought in like that accounting side of you as well to like (laughs) split it into thirds. Yeah, that's a good reminder, isn't it? Because you can then just do that assessment at any point. You can be like, okay, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. What is out of balance? What is, where am I putting too much? And sometimes there's seasons. There's certainly, I imagine before you were setting up fundamentals, like during the process of setting it up that aspect of your life probably took up quite a large chunk, but then you can then know that you've Neglected some other areas, and you can like claw that back and and rebalance things.
1: Yeah, it definitely took over the sort of like eighty percent when we were when we were building it. Um, it becomes all-consuming because there's so much emotionally and financially invested, um and it wasn't an easy build. So you know, it was uh, it was difficult, and you know, everything was taking longer than we'd planned, and the money comes into it, and you know, you're sort of under pressure. And at that point, Edwin yeah. was still doing his full-time job because we moved here and he'd he'd obviously taken the subsequent job corporate job when we came back from traveling uh before we relocated here and he was he'd had a a relocation to the bristol office but he hadn't told his employer that he was longer term planning to leave obviously (laughs) um yeah and the idea was that we would get the business up and running and we would parallel run it for sort of three months before he would leave so that we knew that it was looking okay and then he could resign and you know because he was on a notice period as well and then we could take it from there but obviously things took a very different turn with with covid um so we ended up having to work in the business for quite a bit longer than like in his job before he could he could leave so that was a little bit tricky as well because he was really I think when you've made a decision to leave it's even harder because you're not you're not connected with any sort of future with that role and that organization and you're just thinking when can I get out
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you're already kind of in internally you've handed in your notice you've already moved on to the next thing but you've still gotta you've got to show up every day and exactly yeah that's tricky I am I'm like in my experience I left the corporate life I left London I moved relocated set up a glamp site on the land and that's a similar journey to what you've taken I would love to explore some other challenges that have come up in that kind of journey of leaving The like Guildford being like a quite a big town moving as you were saying nobody walks past your front door now like you're you're quite isolated how was that transition from that and what what challenges have come up along that journey
1: yeah I think it's been different for both of us I'm slightly nomadic because of my father's career in that I've lived abroad I've lived in Scott I lived in Scotland for 11 years I went to like four different schools in the 11 years I was in Scotland I then went to like Norfolk then I went to study down in Bournemouth Then I moved to Guildford. So I've always moved around. So I found the move and relocating here a lot less stressful than, um, emotionally, sort of stressful than Adrian did. Adrian was born and bred in Guildford and lived there for the whole 48 years of his life to the point of us moving. So he's found that very difficult um, because of, even though he didn't feel like he had a huge amount of like friends um, that he was leaving behind, obviously, we've both left friends behind. I think that's the thing we found the hardest is like Mm. leaving our. Friends, the actual place. Although I loved living there for the time that we lived there, I feel less sad about the place and leaving the place. And whenever we go back there now, we're like, "Oh my god, how did we live here?" You know, it's like we definitely we sometimes like hanker after. Oh, you know, did we do the right thing? And then we go back there and we go, "Yes, we definitely did the right thing." Um, (laughs) but it's it's the friends. It's like you know, we 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 still see people, but you know, you have to make new friends. And I think one thing that we hadn't considered it was a bit of an oversight, is when you move and you're older in life, I was 47, he was 48, we haven't got children. So making friends when you're that age is quite difficult. And especially for someone, you know, Aid's more of an introvert than me, um, he, he, you know, he'd lived in Guildford for 48 years. So he'd, you know, he'd never known anywhere else. And he's found that very hard moving somewhere new. And particularly found it hard making friends because mm. his hobbies he's got, he goes fishing that's quite solitary it's not a sort oh, of team yeah. it's not a team sport um also you're at an age where you're not doing like team sports so you've yeah, he's given that's... up playing rugby um because of his age <laughs> um he'd be like i can't play rugby anymore so there's not that you know think about how you're going to meet new people so i think when people move and they've got children they naturally make friendships through their children because they meet at the school gate. There's like social things that get organized around the kids and their parents come around, etc. So you, it's much yeah. easier to make friends. Children I, are
0: great at making friends. Yeah. Children just see another child and then you're you're automatically yeah. talking to the parents. Exactly. They go up and go, hi, my name's so-and-so. What's your name? You know, and kids do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, do you want to play?
1: Um, adults don't do that um, because we're so inhibited that you would never walk up to someone and just go, hi, my name's so-and-so. You know, do you want to have a chat? Do you like trees? Yeah. Do you want like to <laughs> yeah, grab a coffee? It'd be like weird person. Um, <laughs> particularly, obviously, I mean, rural areas. What I would say is that everyone is really friendly around here. It's not that they're not friendly. And I know some people move to areas where the locals maybe aren't that friendly to like incomers. We've been very lucky that all of our neighbours are very friendly and welcoming the, the only other issue we have is they're all really elderly we are mm. like the youngest people that we are the youngest people i think without exception <laughs> that live <laughs> in our little like our little area just outside the village we are the only younger people like everyone's in their 70s and 80s so we have nothing in common with them um you know yes they're very friendly and they say hi and they're welcoming and we've had supper around people's homes and stuff but it's like going around to your grandparents for the evening it's very (laughs) very different and we hadn't thought about I mean when we fell in love with the house and realized it was perfect for our the house wasn't perfect but the plot was perfect for our project we hadn't even you get so wrapped up in the dream and that we've been looking for two and a half years we'd looked at like 23 houses we found the house through escape to the country and being on the tv show so it was all like a bit of an emotional roller coaster Mm-hmm. and we just knew it was right for the project we hadn't even considered the whole thing of like how we would feel about leaving and I think we knew we'd feel sad leaving you know sort of family and friends but they're only 130 miles away they're only two hours down the motorway so it's not like it's you know we've moved to New Zealand yeah but we didn't consider our neighbours and whether that we would make friends with people and we didn't consider that it would be very isolating and actually friendships we have less friends here I've got some business buddy friends who I've got to know and they're girlfriends and I meet up with but Adrian's found it particularly difficult and I think men do find it more difficult as well if they're not doing hobbies and sort of sports together apart from meeting in the pub and chatting Mm -hmm. to people there isn't that sort of like I do Zumba so I've met a lot of ladies through going and doing Zumba and going and doing sort of activities which have sort of got me into sort of the local community and other meeting other people but it's I think it's a bit harder for men as well so there's those sorts of things to consider which I don't think we had on our radar at all and we maybe went into a bit blind and that has been that has been hard I won't lie it's it's difficult to move somewhere we don't know it we didn't know a single person when we moved here we didn't move to an area of the country where we had relatives or some friends living um we knew literally nobody um and that and without children you know going to the local school that that definitely yeah. when you're when you're older makes it makes it harder and i think a lot of people do that when they retire they sort of move somewhere to their dream don't they like to the coast or they move yes. to another part of the country that they've always dreamed of living in and unless you've got sort of hobbies and things that are going to get you out there in the communities meeting people it's really really tough I think people a lot of people actually move and then remove move back don't they to where they've moved from because they it's not the dream that they had of like that's the whole thing of escape escaped the country as the tv show isn't it it's like you know a lot of people do move and then they actually don't don't find it to be quite the dream that they 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 had
0: yes so, absolutely kind of I think we can focus on the rosy bits of our dream can't we and just focus on like all the all the things that we're told like we see on TV and and it sounds also wonderful but actually there are these practical aspects that you do have to consider and I also think that there's like this period in the middle of life where it is so much harder to make friends but I think when you're when you're retired if you're if you're quite a sociable person like if you're willing to go out there there is lots and lots available where I live in a little village there's not many people, there's nobody my age, there's nobody with kids like immediately in our area. The village hall is full of stuff for yeah. for old people to do. Like, yeah, that <laughs> and, is very true. <laughs> yeah, they can, they can get together. Like Seb's mum moved to Norfolk within a few months of us moving here um, to be near her first grandchild. And she has this amazing community of friends and she just goes out and does all these activities. But they're typically during the day during the working yeah. day and they're all aimed at people that are 70 and above and so yeah when you're in that period it, it, without children there is that kind of unthought of aspect that
1: void yes
0: yeah I haven't even not...
1: considered it we we hadn't it wasn't even on our radar of something that would be difficult because we're sociable yeah. people which is why we really yeah. love being in hospitality so you never think it's going to be hard to sort of meet people and and make friends but actually if everyone around you is sort of retired which most of them are bar a couple um they're like you said they've got lots of stuff like the wi and there's walks and social stuff and they've got you know look at our village mag there's like loads of stuff going on
0: yeah exactly but
1: if you're not you know employed working going somewhere because obviously people make friends through work as well so of course we're working at home Um, I probably feel less lonely because I also have clients so I'm always talking to different people and I also create partnerships and I'm good at collaborating I did partnership marketing for like you know five six years so it's like I really enjoy that aspect of being an extrovert it's like I enjoy that aspect so I probably feel less isolated even if I sit at my desk all day I'm still talking to lots of very varied different people. Um, yeah. I also have a horse, so that gets me out to meet people because I do riding club. So there's like a social aspect to that. It can be quite mm-hmm. social. And they put events on with social events and things like that. Whereas his fishing club seems to be quite, they don't do much. I think it's quite no. a bloke thing. <laughs> they yeah. They never organise any social things or any really like get togethers when they're not fishing. So it's just like there's not much going on really.
0: Yeah, and they, all, they all fish from their own little separate space. Yeah.
1: And you're not allowed to lake. talk. You're not allowed to no. talk. You're meant to be concentrating on the fishing. So they, you know, they either go on their own to fish on the river or they go to a lake. And then it's not the done thing to sit and chat.
0: No, <laughs> so it's Why you don't see yeah. many
1: women? I think doing it. It's like you know, it's a, a, a bloke hobby.
0: Yes, it does seem does seem to attract them. Yeah, yeah, that is such an interesting aspect. Thank you for sharing. Because I know, yeah, it can be so nice to just focus on the really amazing rosy bits of a lifestyle change and setting up yeah. your own business but there are some realities that are often not considered exactly thank you sarah this has been such a great conversation i love digging into your life it would be wonderful if you could share how people can connect with you how they can find out more about the work that you do the incredible hudnell's hideout and um yeah if you could share links to anything and and art I'll put things in the show notes, but if you could give us a bit of information right. about that, that would be great.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. The time's just flown by. Um, yes, you can find me online. So Get Fully Booked is obviously my, my marketing business for hosts. Um, I'm on Instagram and it's just at Get Fully Booked. Um, I've got a load of free resources on my website. So if you want to find out more about what I do and get some free marketing tips, you can go there. And obviously the Huttles, the huddles Hideout, um, is just at Hudnall's Hideout on Instagram. We have a website. So if you Google us, we come up. Obviously, I've done my marketing job. It's like you'll be able to find out more and have a, a look around the hideout and um, check us out online.
0: Amazing. I have done your boot camp for your Get Fully Booked, and I've been in your membership for a while. It's, it's really incredible. You've got so thank much you. support to offer to accommodation hosts, and you've got so much experience in the tourism industry. It's really valuable. Thank, thank you, Anne just the fact that Hudnall's Hideout is fully booked is just enough testament to your skills as a marketer.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a pleasure actually to market my own business, like my own hospitality business. Obviously, you know, I market everyone else's, but it has been a joy. That has been one really big joy of being able to market a brand and a business that I have created with, with Adrian. And uh, yeah, rather than working on someone else's business, although I still love that. It's just been great to do it for our own.
0: Yeah. You put so much passion into your own um accommodation business, don't you? Like it it yeah. comes it's come from your experience of staying in tree houses in New Zealand and then you you've curated this whole design and belief and vision around what you want to create. You've made it happen and now you can put your your skills as a marketer into like sharing that incredible space with other people.
1: Yeah, it's been a joy.
0: Amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me today.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. I am so grateful for the time you spend listening to Adventurous and Unconventional. And I hope that this conversation has lit a spark of curiosity, courage and self-belief within you. You can grab the show notes for each episode, including any links that we've mentioned, at katesimons.com. I would love you to join my free Facebook community, Untamed Mother Rewild, Reclaim Your Power, and Realise Your Dreams, where we do exactly that. It's a loving sisterhood supporting mothers and women preparing for motherhood. To connect more deeply with yourself so that decisions, actions, and dreams can be made from an aligned place that is good for you, good for your family, and good for the world. It's your permission slip to release expectations put upon you and experience this precious season of life being guided by your own inner wisdom. And come and hang out with me and follow my adventurous and unconventional lifestyle with my family at Kate R. Simons on Instagram. Together, let's live life to the fullest in our own unique way.